Do this thing. Hello! Welcome to Couples Book Club! I'm Lauren. That's Isaac. Hey. We're married to each other. Also, we can read. And this is our podcast where we read books and then talk about them. Like a book club. Pretty, pretty much the smallest club possible. It's a pretty small club. High end. Exclusive. <laughs> it's pretty exclusive. It is extremely exclusive. I mean, unless you're married to one of us, you can't be in the club. Nope. So. You can't. Kind of limits it a little bit. For this episode, we, we read... I will find you. Solving killer cases for my life of fighting crime by Detective Lieutenant Joe Kenda. America's greatest hero. It was like sinister though. And my role model. I imagined it and like, I, I think of Kenda as like laconic. Like he would say it like, I will find you. Something like that. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good Kenda. Or it's like, it's menacing, but it's like, it's it's low key. Menacing. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. No, that's how he rolls. He's a guy, he like doesn't need to flex because he can back it up. Mm-hmm. So um, in case you're unaware, Lieutenant Joe Kenda is amazing. He's um, a retired homicide detective from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And he has a TV show on um, our favorite channel, the Murder Channel, a.k.a. Investigation Discovery, called Homicide Hunter, where he talks about, um, you know, a bunch of crimes he's helped solve. Um, And he's just a fucking, like, deadpan, just a no-nonsense badass, generally. It's a good description, I think. <laughs> Deadpan, no-nonsense, general badass. Yep. Um, and he was a cop from, like, the like early 70s to, like, the mid-90s. And he's been retired since then, but he's been doing the show for the past several years. Um, yeah, so the book is part memoir and then... I mean, I guess the whole thing's a memoir. Yeah. But some of it's, like, his story, his career. Some are, like, select cases, and some is, like, general theories about murder. Yeah. Yeah, because chunks of the book are about, like, you know, what he sees as, like, the main motivations for murder and, like, how, like, the ins and outs of, of crime solving, basically. And then other stuff is just, like, personal stuff about him, which is the shit we like the most, I think. Um, because that's, you don't get as much of that on the show. We like to make up theories about, like, what Kenda is like in real life. And this is just fueling it. Which are really, I mean, I think not that far off. No. Mm-mm. So, Mm-mm. so Kenda's the fucking greatest. And um, National treasure. I like him even more now. If that's possible. Should be another face on Mount Rushmore. Look <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Which are like racist old white dudes and then Kenda. Yeah. Or just like reshape Jefferson into him. <laughs> <laughs> less, a lot less slave rape. Yeah, yeah. Substantially less slave rape. Um, yeah, it's just fucking amazing. There's so many great stories and... Some of the stuff with, like, the motives and the crime-solving stuff, I, I'd i heard parts of those stories on um, an ID podcast, detective podcast, um, but they were in more detail here. 
so much detail. Um, he does say mention in the acknowledgments that he had a ghostwriter. Um, word. <laughs> <laughs> He's a ghost, and he wrote for him. <laughs> um, but he really captured his voice. Yeah, like really captured it. So, um, congratulations, that person, that guy. Ghost. That ghost. It's very hyperliterate ghost. <laughs> cranking out ghost novels all the time. Mm -hmm. Probably writing from for the since novel writing month or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, nano nano Yep. Ghost is all over it. Yep. I mean, there's a lot to do in October for Halloween, so then the ghost after that, I mean, there's kind of just a letdown. Un unwind a little bit. Yeah, so I've got to plan something to look forward to. Um, I have things marked that I thought were interesting or amused me, but um, you have actual written notes, so... I mean, that's pretty much what I have, that they're just, like, especially interesting moments. Yeah. Uh, or stuff that, like, stuck out to me as just being sort of weird or otherwise noteworthy, so... Well, should we just jump into it? Jump. Jump. It's like that, <laughs> that Van Halen song. <laughs> yes, does, it is. Does that sound like a synthesizer? Um, sure. Am I just picking whatever? Or? Yes, whatever. Okay. Start wherever you want. Uh, one of my favorite early moments, there are many, but uh, one that I liked. Because, I mean, it's like him telling career stories and stuff but there are also like just general kind of like life opinions that he offers mm -hmm. at various moments so the one thing where he uh, in my note it just says fuck pro-lifers oh yeah where he's talking about like unwanted children and all like horrible st I think is that the one after the like woman uh, like chains the kid to the bed with a dog collar or whatever when she goes to work yeah the like six year old boy yeah I think so mm -hmm. Just leaves him there because she can't afford childcare and apparently thinks that is literally the only option. But then he had like a, and it as is true of most things has like a, a pretty like hyper realistic kind of understanding of stuff. Like right. there's this idealistic yeah, yeah. approach to things, but like in real life it doesn't work out that way. Right, like he's seen the worst things that people do, and a lot of the, and those things happen to vulnerable people children are vulnerable and there, like so there, he's seen a lot of fucked up shit and a lot of people should not have kids well there was that one later on and they uh, shouldn't have to have kids because if you don't want them you probably won't be that nice to them i think it was a boyfriend or something um was doing some straight up like nazi shit that the baby was crying and just like picked it up by the feet and like slammed it against the wall oh and then, like, the baby wasn't crying anymore, so he just put it to bed because he thought it was fine. Then it just, like, slowly died. Yeah, that was really that's fucked what, up. that's what people do. But that's that's what Nazis did also sometimes. Really? The yeah. crying babies? Yeah. Which is, like, well, if they were, like, rounding up Jews, they'd have, like, a baby in there. And uh, to get people to sort of either, uh, you know, stay in line or just to, like, shut the baby up. Just, like, hit against the side of the truck or something. Oh. So. It oh, works. God. Theoretically, but anyway, Joe yeah. kind of wants you to be able to have your abortion because he doesn't want uh, anybody slamming babies' heads against walls. Yeah, yeah, baby, he baby head slamming, not good. Yeah. Or that like murder suey one that like haunted him because the kid had like the Mickey Mouse pajamas on, 
where the dad just like shot the kid a bunch of times. Oh yeah, he killed the wife. He killed the wife and, and the, the kid, and then killed and himself. himself. Yeah, and the kid was like around the same age as Kenda's son, and it had, had the, the same exact pajamas. same pajamas. Yeah, that would that would fuck you up. Well, and he said that that's like that's one of his five nightmares. Yeah, that's one of his PTSD nightmares. Yeah, it involves that kid in the Mickey Mouse pajamas. Yeah, because it like really fucked him up. Yeah, understandably so. I do really like that about Kenda being really upfront about like, hey. I had to like turn off my emotions for all these years and I was kind of a shitty father and husband but I didn't care at the time yeah <laughs> and then uh as soon as I stopped working like I uh all the like emotional shit just that had been building just fell down on me and um yeah it's uh it's messed up and uh, although he did say doing the show has been really cathartic for him yeah yeah, I would imagine. Although the one time he tried to go see a therapist, the therapist wanted to know about his PTSD dreams, and they made him cry, the therapist. Like, if you're a PTSD therapist, you should have heard some fucked up shit by now. Right, right, right. Like, well, you're also, doing a like, bad job. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm, like, numb to that, that shit by now, but, like, admittedly, I'm sure we got the very, like, brief, brief, brief version of those dreams. But, like, none of those were astonishingly unsettling to me. Just like, oh, that's fucked up. But. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you told them in detail. And yeah. If you're yeah, in the yeah. room with the emotion and stuff. But yeah. 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 A, a good trained therapist is not going to break down because you told them something that's too upsetting. Like. To a wuss therapist. Like, they should be able to handle it. And Ther- therapist. hold their emotions in check. Yeah. Did you say Therapus? Yep. <laughs> wow. You heard it here, guys. That's why we got divorced. No, it's like it's like an octopus that also <laughs> is a psycho a psychoanalyst. Um I would make an octopus noise right now, but I don't know what they sound like. Presumably they make some sort of noise. Like but... like the sound of like a suction cup being <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Exactly. That's their best approximation. Did you ever see that? I feel like it was floating around a few years ago where it's like the shallow pool next to the ocean or something. And there's like this, I don't know, it's like a crab or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this octopus just like scampers up and grabs it and then like scampers back in. Mm -hmm. It's pretty pretty awesome. Octopodes are extremely smart. And also octopodes is one of the three grammatical plurals of octopus Octo- I, I always say octopodes <laughs> it's either octopuses octopi or octopodes octopodes mm-hmm. or just say whatever the fuck you want I guess ask Mortimer he knows uh, Mortimer's uh, one of our stuffed uh, octopodes I guess we're calling them yeah I guess we have multiple yeah because we also have Daisy but her, her legs are stumpy yep. stumptopus Oh, this has to do with some of that kid stuff. On 45, I'm just going to give you guys a sampling of what he sounds like. Um, Obviously, on the TV show, he can't swear as much as he would like to. Yeah. Um, But you know he swears a lot, which I can relate to. It's the language of the street, bro. That's why these episodes are rated explicit, because I'm not going to rein myself in. Censor yourself for the man. (laughs) Fuck that. It's America. 
all one of my sisters is going to listen to this anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on page 45. Sidebar. He, oh, this is about that six-year-old that was fucking chained up in that house all day. And then yeah. neighbor called and was like, hey, that lady leaves that kid there all day. Yeah. Um, and he says, after you see a few of these cases, you realize maternal instincts can be highly overrated. Motherhood doesn't mean shit as far as what some degenerates will do to their offspring. So. Whatever, dude. Don't you have, like, lady instincts? You just, like, know how to do that? I know how to... I, I know really well how to not chain a child to a bed. Whatever. It wasn't like a choke chain. It's fine. Yeah. Teach the kids some discipline. He had, like, scar tissue under yeah, it. Yeah, no, I know. That one's messed up. It's really messed up. Kid's going to be, like, traumatized for life because of that. Yeah. He talks about... Because um, at a certain point he talks about, you know, like, obviously he was on call all the time for, like, 20 years. And um, just wasn't around that much. And his wife, Kathy, who also sounds amazing, um, is a nurse. And, um, you know... They had to have babysitters all the time because she never knew when he was going to be home. Um, and, uh, you know, it sounds like he was a loving father, but, like, he just couldn't be there that much. He's married to the job, bro. Married to the job. Um, but he does talk about, like, especially when he had saw really fucked up cases with kids, he'd come home and just, like, hug his kids a ton. And they'd be like, Dad, what's, what's up, Dad? And he wouldn't tell them because it was too fucked up. Um, and he also said that uh, some of the stories in here are ones that he can't talk about on the TV show because they're too fucked up for TV. <laughs> like, no one wants to see that reenactment. Yeah, there are definitely some ones in here that are sort of unsettling. Although he did say they got a bunch of complaints when they did that one with that woman who uh, gouged out that guy's ones. eyes and shoved him I down his throat <laughs> for possibly no reason. Because it's just well, did, her explanation was what that he like was trying to like come on to her, like he made a pass out of her. Yeah, but they were both like blackout drunk. Yeah. Uh, I think they found her passed out next to his body. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, she like, yeah, gouged out his eyes, shoved him down his throat, and he ultimately like choked, choked on to death him. on his eyeball. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Pretty awesome. I don't know why viewers weren't into that. We were like, oh my god, amazing. Yeah, no, that was a really good one. Colorado Springs is full of, like, sketchy dive bars, drug dealers, and, like, evangelicals, apparently. It's a a perfect storm of murder. Hashtag diverse. Yep. Accent on the dive, am I right? Because of the bars you were just talking about. It's a... Sounds, sounds the same. Um, I do also think it's interesting because he talks about his his family. Not a lot, but a little bit. Like They were like minor people, as in worked in the mines in Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, like very working class and uh, n- not very nice people. Yeah, well, I mean, I, if you're in a mine all day, I feel like that would kind of wear on you a little bit. Well, it just sounds like his mom was, like, a huge bitch um, and was, like, really, really mean to his wife, Kathy. Yeah. Because um, I also marked this part where um, 
Oh, it's just the funeral part? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like high school sweethearts. Like, they grew up in that same town together and shit. Um, and her mom just never liked her, just for whatever reason, because she sucks. It's her boy. Yeah. Also, I love that he met his wife while he was on a blind date with someone else. <laughs> he did a basketball game, and his, like, mom made him go, and then he, like, saw this other girl and just, like, left his date. It's a good story. Um, so this is about his mom. Uh, she held a grudge towards Kathy until the day she croaked, 40 years after our wedding. As we were leaving mom's funeral, I looked at my wife and said, You are in luck. Your mother-in-law no longer hates you because she is dead. <laughs> which, which I loved. I just imagine his like delivery of that, which is like so dry. He's a he's a, a, a deadpan he's role model of mine. So dry. Yeah. It's like it's like if if comedy were a sponge, it it's like it's not even a sponge that's never been used because those are kind of moist. It's like a sponge that's been used a bunch and has like shriveled up. It's so dry. It's like like if you threw it at the floor, chunks of it would come off, little pieces of foam. That's how dry. It's a vivid metaphor. <laughs> uh I'm killing it. Yep, yep. Knocking it, knocking it out of the park over Listen, there. Listen, I had a shot on frame in my soccer game today. Yeah, you did. So I am killing it. I didn't score, but I don't even usually shoot, so that's an achievement. Everyone was proud of me. The uh, the Popeyes murder. Which one is the Popeyes murder? Um, the grandpa wants some wings, so he gets some Popeyes, and the grandson like wing jacks him and he eats them all. Uh-uh. And so the grandpa just like kills him. Yes. But then, but then Kenda has the idea for a Popeyes ad out of it, which is the greatest part. <laughs> that I'd kill for a piece of Popeyes, which I feel. Yeah, probably. I've I've had Popeyes at Listen, some point in my life. I think. If you are an old man, who has just been through fucking shit your whole life, you just want some fucking Popeyes. And then your well, goddamn a, loser grandson. A dick move in general to just, like, eat all of someone's food that they just got. Who probably doesn't even fucking work for a living, just mooches off you, steals your hard-earned Popeye's chicken. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the last straw. Can you blame him? No, I thought about that scenario, and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I see where this guy's coming from. Sure. Maybe, maybe murder not the best option there, but... That's not a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, an understandable choice, potentially. Mm-hmm. But just that he treats a, a gruesome murder as, like, a punchline for an ad <laughs> makes me really happy. I mean, he does say that's how you have to deal with it. You have to laugh so you don't cry. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, that's kind of my attitude about life in general. I, I mean, I could never do any kind of, like, first responder work or anything. Or mental health care. Like, I'm too fucked up already. I wouldn't More be able to like, handle it. You have to be numb and emotionally distant or else you'll cry. That's that's my my equation. <laughs> it, it works, too, right? <laughs> you make jokes, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just rely heavily on, on, on uh, psych- psychotropic medication. Not psychotropic. Psychiatric. Psychiatric meds. Um, I will uh, say 
he one of the part two he talks about motives for murder which he says are money sex and revenge and then there's kind of just like drug related shit and just like psychopaths he talks about which is also pretty interesting although he says they're pretty rare um but he's talking he i think this is in the sex chapter um and he's talking about how like you know these things like money and in and of itself isn't necessarily evil and neither is sex and on 71 he says sex is also considered a good thing by many people or so I'm told some of my closest friends enjoy sex <laughs> yeah that was that was specific, particularly well written uh, very Kenda well, and again, one of those things that well ghost written just seems like something he would say and the way yeah. he would say it, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, clearly this can't is, can't just be like a straight transcription or whatever. No, but, like, I'm sure they did like extensive interviews yeah. and stuff. And and it has to be like organized into a way that is thematic and makes sense and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it was, it's done really well. Um it I think this is the best nonfiction book we've read so far. Yeah. Golem and the Ginny I really liked, but that's a very different genre. Wait, this is better than Mein Kampf, are you sure? Um. <sighs> tough call. He's, he's experiencing his own Kampf. Oh, I'm sorry. The Secret was also, quote, nonfiction, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I think that's probably the most fictional thing we've read. Hmm. <laughs> I've been talking about the secret a lot. Yeah, you have. And how the universe works through magical word association. Seems plausible. One of my favorite, not in terms of like gruesome fucked up, but just in like sort of weird fucked up. I think this was in the sex chapter. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it was. Um, but that like college girl who uh, discovers that she has like intense orgasms when she sees her own blood. Oh, yeah. And so she starts, like, cutting, cutting herself. Yeah. But, like, down to the bone multiple times on her arm. Because he was, like, trying to figure out. He's like, okay, there's blood all over all her clothes. Except, uh, like, the sleeve where all the all the cuts are. How did this happen? And then I think he had a suspicion. Well, there, were no, there were no slices in the sleeve. Someone yeah. attacked you. So yeah. clearly the sleeve had been rolled well, up. Well, yeah, that was her story. And then he had his suspicions and eventually sort of talked her into like explaining it he found a, a razor blade in her pants yeah pocket. with her fingerprint on it so. uh yeah it was like in the pocket of her jeans because like took the clothes off of her when they brought her to the hospital yeah yeah um like yeah she realized that she was like bleeding too much and like basically crawled into the quad yeah thankfully someone found her yeah she would probably bled out but i hope she didn't do that anymore i would think you would learn your lesson from that probably but if, if you're able to control that, if it's not, like, an obsessive behavior, but... You can go to therapy for obsessive behaviors. Yeah. That just reminded me of, uh... What I call it? What I call it? One of my favorite movies? One of the more memorable movies I've seen. <laughs> okay. Um, I've told you about In My Skin, haven't I? I'm sure you have. So this woman's, like, walking around in the backyard at a party and, uh, like, gashes her leg on some piece of, like... I don't know, wreckage, old building, <laughs> just something. Just backyard wreckage. Something that's in the backyard. And she gets obsessed with, like, picking at the wound. Ugh. 
and then uh, like keeps reopening it and then like at other points just like becomes basically a cutter but not in like a I don't know, cutting in those terms I think of as being like obsessive self-harming kind of thing. This is like a weird like exploration kind of thing almost. Yeah. But there's a point where she cuts off like a square of skin and like tries to tan it like leather and stuff. Oh. It's messed up. That's gross. Yeah, it's one of the more disturbing things that I've ever seen. But I think this that that's sort of what that reminded me of. It's like, okay. Because I think it was definitely a sexual thing for that person in that yeah. film as well. But she just had like a weird like masochistic kind of streak. Yeah. This I don't think was that. I think it was just like well, blood helped and that was just the way to produce the most blood, basically. Yeah. And she wasn't trying to kill herself or hurt no. herself. Well, and people who who do cut, it's like um like the pain is like and is kind of like a release and there's kind of an endorphin rush. Yeah. Um, and so it does become a compulsive behavior. Um, and they people like they use it to like distract themselves and to feel something besides like the emotional pain that they feel. Yeah. Um, which is fucked up. Yeah, I think she just kind of wanted to get off this person. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it. You have to discover that at some point that you can do that. Yeah, I'm trying. To... I, it's got to be wrapped up in that somehow. I'm kind of wondering how that worked. Like how you first discover that. <laughs> Like, you just found, like, the worst chat rooms. Maybe. Although this, like, he retired in, like, 96, so the internet wasn't even really... Well, I'm just trying to think how you, how how would you inadvertently discover that? Like, you just randomly get a bloody nose when you're, like, jerking off or something, and then you... I don't know, she really likes masturbating when she's on her period. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I suppose. She just, like, gets all up in there, all the blood under her fingernails and shit. Hot. It's like a crime scene down there. Seriously, bro. Yeah, so that one was that one was noteworthy, especially yeah. weird. I think it was just like maybe. I feel like I read this right around when we were finishing the crash unit in my class. We were, I told you about that article we read about people who had like sexual attachments to their tractors. Yeah. Like that dude who like named his tractor and included it in his Christmas card, <laughs> and then. Uh, Oh, yeah, he's the one who was doing uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, choked himself off because he was hanging himself from the, uh, the like, bucket of the tractor. Scoop, whatever. Guys, what? Guys, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. There's an auto, uh, uh, like, an autoerotic uh, accidental death in the Kathy Reich's novel I'm, I'm reading right now, too. It's like an that, underwater thing. Isn't that how the dude from NXS died? I don't know. I feel like it is. I don't know anything about that band except for that they exist. I need you tonight, etc. It's not just kind of a jam. Anyway, continue. Um, so what do you get? I do think it's interesting when he's talking about drugs and how much murder is related to the drug trade. Yeah. Um, he really hates drug dealers has very little patient for patience for drug addicts um, because once you are an addict um, you're kind of like not yourself anymore and then you resort well, to a lot of criminal behavior well, yeah, and we'll just do like ridiculous crap to feed your habit yeah that you would like never do under right. other circumstances right it doesn't mean that you were a bad person but like now the oh, like yeah it's what drives you 
Um, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, on 112, yeah, after he talks about uh, how several of them tried to restrain some guy on PCP in the in an emergency room, he like bit the beat the shit out of a bunch of them. Um, well, I think the, there was another part in there that I feel like I remember from the show where someone, I think on PCP, uh, like tried to kick out the back window of the cruiser. Mm-hmm. I think I remember him telling that story. Yeah. It might have just been an anecdote. I don't know if it was part of the larger episode, but yeah, uh, that sounded familiar. But anyway, yeah, but that's like. Oh yeah, no, it's in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Notorious that people on PCP have like superhuman strength. So. But he thinks part of the reason that drug issues have um, become worse is um, on 112 he says the problem has escalated because so many parents put their kids on Valium or Ritalin and those are gateway drugs. The kids want to try something better that brings them up or down from wherever they are. They move on to painkillers and then cocaine and heroin. Which I was kind of like resistant to that but like he's worked with these people like it's got to be it's got to he's got to be drawing on some kind of experience valium though um is it like xanax or something i don't know what that is valium that? yeah it's um it's like an anti-anxiety like makes you really relaxed yeah no i mean i know what valium is but oh. i just didn't think of that as being like a thing that was prescribed yeah i think Z- i don't know if xanax is the same or different but xanax I think is like an anti-anxiety thing. but yeah yeah maybe valium's like the older version yeah I don't know. Uh, I mean, some people really need those drugs to function. Um, but I suppose there probably are some kids who are troubled, and that's why they're on these drugs to begin with and decide they, you know, want to feel it more or less and try other things. Well, do you think that's true in some cases to that, like... I'm not. I'm not denying that ADHD is a thing. I'm sure it certainly is for some oh, people. Oh, it definitely. It's a real thing. Yeah. But I feel like that's a thing that's also like, especially the ADD, overprescribed. Yeah. That like, if you show, if, if the kid shows behaviors or something in that direction, they'll just like throw drugs at it, basically. Yeah. Because there's that fun anecdote during his uh, his bus driver days, mm-hmm. at the end, when there was like that ADD kid, and he just basically told him like. Not not threatened him as such, but did not like coddle him with his behavior. Right, he's, he's just said, like this is what you're gonna do, mm-hmm. and we won't have any problems. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like, I know you can control yourself if you want to. Yeah, yeah. And that seemed to work for that kid at least. I don't know that. that yeah. was, that's not a, a broad spectrum answer. Yeah. But is I guess a, a a vote in favor of like individualized treatment versus just like throw riddling at them. Right. Essentially. But yeah, I mean, there's a a lot of people, including kids, and especially if your kid is like struggling in school, has behavior problems, you can't figure out what's wrong, or like is super depressed or has major anxiety and you don't know what to do. Like, obviously, I'm a huge proponent of prescription meds if they work for you. Um, Because antidepressants work for me. Uh, But. I, it also may be kind of like a, a, like a correlation rather than a causation thing where again these are already troubled kids who have enough problems that their parents sought out like medical help for them who well, may be more predisposed to self-medicating with drugs and alcohol and other things 
Well, and that's another situation where it's, like, easier to throw drugs at it than to deal with the, like, systematic issues behind it. Yeah. Which, again, is not to say that that's not just, you know, the case for some people that drugs will be helpful and there's no other larger sort of contributing factor to it beyond, like, brain chemistry, but... Although like he's probably right that just in general there are more prescription drugs out there for more things that are just available and yeah. that more drugs out there means more people do drugs. Well, I mean, that's like the whole like opioid thing. It's just yeah. overprescribing and broader availability of things that used to be, I think, more tightly controlled substances. Well, and drug companies have a vested interest in more people buying their... They don't care about if they're causing more harm than good. Yeah. Because some people do need to take, have chronic pain and do need those meds to, like, function. But um, clearly there's also, like, also poor white people are killing themselves on these drugs. And it's important because they're white, which is why we should care. But we also shouldn't care because they're poor. Oh. So it's a a tough one. Shit. Shit. That's okay, why so we'll say we're going to do something about it, and then we won't. Well, yeah, I was going to say, that's why you declare it in a, a national emergency, but you don't do anything about right. it. Right. So. But you don't even call FEMA. Yep. Although FEMA, it's like, what do they do? FEMA is in Puerto Rico, and they can't find their way back. Yeah. What's well, way out they there. Just, they just remembered to uh, actually dock their, like, medical boat. <laughs> After, like, two weeks, they're like, hey, nobody's using this, like, Navy medical ship that we sent here. Oh, maybe we should bring it into shore. Well, it's out there. It's out there in big water. That ocean water, man. So big. Hashtag political thoughts. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was that was an interesting thing that, and it was just kind of an aside, and he never really goes back. But I was like, immediately felt kind of defensive. But I was also like, clearly he's drawing from experience, so there must be some truth to it. Yeah. Um, because Joe Kenna doesn't fuck around. Man, it's all business. Mm-hmm. It's like an mm-hmm. entrepreneur of badassery. Oh. You're the worst. What? I mean, I love you, but you're the worst. Whatever. Uh, well, I guess along with that, the sort of, like, brief cultural theory kind of thing. Um, there's one spot. This is on 155. I don't remember the larger context for it. But where he's talking about uh, gun culture... Oh, yeah, I marked a bunch in that section, too. Um, yeah. It makes the valid point that, like, the U.S. grows out of violence, essentially, that mm-hmm. come from armed revolution, but is also making the point that, like, civilians for their own safety and the safety of others really shouldn't have firearms, and that he as a civilian doesn't. Right. Uh, and, like, uh, other places he describes himself, I think, as a pretty avid, avid gun enthusiast and talks about, like, going shooting with his kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but, I mean, he obviously is someone whose hands I trust a gun to be in. Mm-hmm. That he, because he never, he didn't shoot He never shoot shot anyone. anyone. Yeah. He drew his weapon a few times. He fired a few shots, but he never He never shot, shot anyone. anyone. And, like, I, I don't doubt that he was in situations where other people might have shot Well, yeah, people. and he says, and he says that a few times. Like, yeah. Yeah. I thought this whole section was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was another very... Um, I think he even uses the the phrase, like, saying, like, I'm realistic about this or something in mm-hmm. there. 
but it's a very like okay here's the idealist kind of version of it uh and this is a, a really like i don't know fairly honest like even-handed kind of approach to it that like all right this is this is how it should be or mm-hmm. this is how we'd like it to be it's not like that so let's figure out how to deal with this kind of yeah yeah he said yeah i believe in the right to bear arms though as a civilian i don't carry a gun and i wish you wouldn't either for your safety and the safety of your family um because he um goes on to talk about uh i think after he was retired this farmer neighbor of his was like worried because um, there have been like break-ins in the neighborhood. Yeah, that part's, that part's um, awesome too. Let's see if I can find it. I, must, I feel like I marked it, but maybe I didn't. And so the neighbor comes to him and is like, I want to get, or I bought this gun for protection. Um, and like he knew that Kenda used to be a cop or whatever, so came to ask him about like using it and stuff. And um, Kenda's like, you know, telling him all the ways that it can go wrong basically and then is like so you're prepared to kill someone and the guy was like i don't know and he's like because that's what this is for yeah you have to be willing to shoot to kill like you have to be willing to kill someone and you have to be able to shoot them before they can get the gun from you assuming you can get to the gun in time um and you know is in a secure place and you know like your grandkids don't come upon it or something you know um basically the guy goes he he scares him yeah just like takes the gun back and they give him his money back for it but well because he talks him through like here's the logical conclusion people say they want a gun for self-defense but they don't and they're like, guns are for self-defense, not for killing. But it's like, self-defense, in this case, equals killing. Is a killing. kind of killing, yeah. Yeah. In most cases. You have to be willing to shoot at the person. And do you think you can do that in the heat of the moment? Well, I think that highlights an interesting aspect of it, too, where it's like, people who have guns ostensibly for self-protection, but, like, don't train properly with them. Mm-hmm. So if they're actually in a situation where they need to use them, they either offer nothing or actually like a liability yeah well it's well yeah like in cases it happens all the time with like women who are in like abusive relationships if they get a gun for protection like it happens pretty often where like they can't shoot their partner or their ex or you know um they can't bring themselves to do it or he gets the gun away from them or whatever and ends up using it on them like uh, you have to think through every worst case scenario and say, do I want this deadly weapon in my home? Am I willing to take the risk it could be used on me? Am I willing to shoot another person and possibly kill them? Um, so yeah, like I just, yeah, I like the way that he takes it very, very seriously. But then he and his son also dress up like old timey cowboys and go to these shooting contests and it's adorable. It's pretty adorable, yeah. God, and his daughter sounds like kind of a badass, too. I was just thinking of that incident when she's at, like, the grocery store and that dude's, like, creeping on that other woman. Mm-hmm. And she steps in and uh, is, like, fully ready to shoot that dude. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, if he comes back in the yeah. parking lot after she, like, told him to go away with her, like, threatening military lady voice. Yeah. Yeah, like, both of his kids are in the military, or, like, high-level military, or... Con- She's a contractor, I think, now, but... Which makes makes a lot of sense. But they at least both were in the military. He says his daughter is in the... Or is the best shot in the family. Because um, they were little. He took them out with his like service revolver to teach them to be scared of it and they were just like super and they into were just it <laughs> really excited and like we're like daddy let me shoot it again they weren't like scared of how loud it was or anything uh yeah that whole chapter on the guns and stuff was really fascinating um and like again i think we should disarm like everybody but it's probably more realistic to just like yeah, think about it the way that Ken does, which is like, this isn't a game. It's not. A, it's not a video game. You're not a fucking. You're not an old timey cowboy, and even they had to think about: Am I shooting a real person? Am I willing to do that? And he talks a lot about controlling his fear and stuff, and he doesn't specifically address police sh- shooting. Um, but he talks about how important it is to control your emotions. Well, yeah, I was uh, uh, that felt a little bit implied to me mm-hmm. when he's talking about like his own career and how right. He never I feel shot like he someone. probably just didn't want to get into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I mean he demonstrates seemingly kind of repeatedly that like you don't have to do that. Yeah. In the vast majority of cases, like not that there aren't times when you know you do need to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like they're pretty rare for the most part that they're he seems like if I'm recalling correctly there are like numerous sort of de-escalation examples yeah of situations that could have been like pretty explosive that he's able to diffuse uh I feel like that was one that was one of the like once he was sort of an experienced cop and he was out with like a rookie or something mm-hmm. And they were going to a, I think it was a domestic, and uh, the guy was, like, out in the yard, and mm-hmm. so Kenda told the kid to, like, keep him occupied, mm-hmm. and then, like, basically walked around and, like, snuck up behind him. Yeah. And then just, like, didn't even, like, do anything. He just, like, said hi or something. No, just, I like... think he put his gun at the back of the guy's head. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was like, hello. Yeah. And the guy, like, freaked out and, like threw his gun in the air basically yeah, like, like you probably would in that situation but he also had to like calm that kid down yeah so he like made fun of him or something or made a ter- terrible joke that made him like snap out of being scared yeah uh, after they found out the guy had a gun so he's he- like you can't come from a place of fear because you can't function well and people see that weakness and take advantage of it too well and he also says that like if you're afraid you aren't going to be able to concentrate well enough to shoot well. Um, so. And I also, like, he talks about, I don't remember if I marked it or not, but um, when he is arresting someone, and I think he's talked about this on the show, he doesn't yell. He stays really calm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you're under arrest and if you fuck with me i will kill you 
Well, uh, when, when, you, when you deliver it that way, it sounds very serious, too. Yeah. That's, that's more intimidating to me than, like, someone just, like, yelling at you. Yeah. Because, like, this guy clearly means it and will do everything that he's saying. So I need to just just go with this. Well, if someone comes in, like, screaming and waving their gun and being unpredictable, like, there's a possibility. Well, first well, of all, you don't know what's going to fucking behavior. happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so you might fight back. Or you might be like, well, maybe I get away from this person. Or I want to get away from this person. But this is just like, this guy means fucking business. I'm just going to go with him. <laughs> because I would rather not die. And I respect that about Kenda. This is in like the early 200s. When he's talking about um, like the ones that got away, basically. Mm-hmm. And tells the the case of that like sociopath dude who like convinced the jury that he like became a man of God in prison, and so they oh after he like tortured that woman and her son yeah and that actually was a got really off. fucked up murder but there were two 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 fun parts of that that I had marked yeah so eventually that guy dies later mm-hmm. uh, and they they. Uh, the detective or whatever who calls Kenda to let him know about this case uh, says the dude died of uh, cement poisoning, which I really liked. Oh, yeah, because he, <laughs> he like, got fell pushed out of off a window a or, or pushed something. off a window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which I liked. I like but then um, the part after that where he's sort of talking about uh, jury trials mm-hmm. and how kind of uncertain they are and how juries convict on just like bullshit reasons, basically. Right. Uh, and he's arguing that a trial by judge is better. I don't think that's you know, foolproof, depending who you are. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends on who you are. But but he also mentioned racism when he was talking about the jury trials. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, obviously sort of accurate. But I feel like, yeah, that's more of a, I don't know, a, a crapshoot, depending on... Because I know, I mean, lawyers have control over jury selection to a certain degree, but you just never know exactly what a group of people are going to do in a given situation. Yeah. With evidence. Well, I like the story about how Kenda always shows up for jury duty, but they never want him. Because nobody wants a homicide detective on their jury. Well, I also really mm-hmm. like the detail when, uh, whenever he has to go into court and testify, because I think he's sort of an expert witness sometimes mm-hmm. now, too, um, because he got especially skilled in some like different forensic things. Yeah. Um, but that he always talks like directly to the jury. Yeah, not to the lawyer. And it pisses the, it pisses the like defense attorneys off mm-hmm. because he's not talking to them right like but whatever like, you're not the audience that's, that's what he's there for mm-hmm. he's presenting his his uh you know expert testimony to the people who have to make the decision so mm-hmm. uh, he like yeah. looks them in the eye and makes sure they're paying attention i can imagine him just like totally destroying someone who tried to like string him up on cross though well he said he fucked up so i he didn't tell any specific stories about like Destroy like every time like a new defense attorney rolls into town, but I thought, I thought there was one good one in there. Well, I wanted there to be more stories. He does mention that he um is not an advocate of the death penalty because he doesn't have that much faith in the justice system for getting it right. Because like he does his job, but court tri- like it's it's a crapshoot sometimes good like innocent people get convicted and and guilty people get set free um 
So like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be killing them. Which, you know, legit. Yeah, maybe the one I'm thinking of. Uh, this is on 208. Okay. Um, so it's a murder in a retail store. Um, defense attorney thinks he's like hot shit. Uh, and so Kenda testifies that there uh, was a, a thumbprint of the um, the defendant underneath the coin tray mm-hmm. in the cash register. Um, and he knows, and this is true from my cashiering experience, that like that's where you, know, you stick big bills. If you get 50s right. or hundreds, you put them underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, the defense attorney is basically making the case like this guy's a regular customer and why is it weird that his fingerprint would be there he's in the store all the time uh and kenda's response is uh it's true that he'd been in the store many times but very few customers are allowed to make their own change and like the jury is <laughs> cracking up too which is pretty awesome yeah just like deadpan blowing up that dude's case is <laughs> awesome so like you don't you don't, you don't fuck with Ken on the stand. Yeah. Also, that's a terrible argument. That's yeah. a place that he would never like. Yeah. Have if, you, if he was an employee. Sure. But unless <laughs> you're an employee, you should have nothing to do with the till. Yeah, you should not have your hands in the cash drawer. Yeah. Um. But did also uh about that like horrible murder guy who got away, but then was later killed. Yeah. Uh the cops in Brooklyn, which is where he died, sent him a Polaroid of his body. Oh, yeah, and he would look at it every once in a while. He said, he looked like a number 10 can of tomatoes that exploded on the pavement. I kept that photograph in my desk for seven years. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up, but also awesome. No, I mean, if, fuck that guy. If you saw someone do that horrible stuff to people and get away with it, like, yeah, I would take great satisfaction in knowing, I mean, like... Karma came back on that dude. I don't even know if I want to say what he did to that woman, but it was really messed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, like torture. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't feel bad for that dude at all. I would, no. I would happily look at that picture, I think. Yeah, in yeah it was only like a year later, too. Um, somebody killed him, and the police in Brooklyn were like, whatever fuck that guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he'd already served like a 14 year prison sentence for murdering someone else yeah now that's that's someone doing the world a favor by getting rid of that guy mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. the criminal justice system won't do it um i th- i have a couple more things that i thought were interesting um where he talks about doing um police interrogations okay. kind of like his tactics and his view on how those work or how I guess what he says what works for him because different things work for different people yeah but I was just interested in how I mean obviously he's somebody who you know takes it very like calm he doesn't do like good cop bad cop he's just cop yeah but he tries to talk to people like um and just get them talking which isn't necessarily a good cop thing, but um, he talks about kind of, like, trying to make people feel like he's on their side, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, well, like he understands sort of where they're coming from. Right, including 
Oh, there's some guy who like who like raped and murdered this this like sex worker, I think. And he like had no record or anything and he had like kind of this whole secret life, this whole secret fantasy life where he wanted to like fuck women while they died in their own blood, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. And is this the dude who like basically tried to kill this woman and like dumped her but she survived? Yeah. Yeah. He dumped her off a cliff. And after he had raped her and, like, I don't know if he stabbed her, but he, like, beat her up. Like, he left her for dead. Like, yeah, she probably should have died. And she crawled her way back up. And they said that one of the only reasons she survived was because she was really young. And, like, her body was able to bounce back. But, um... But this guy was, like, stonewalling. He's like, I'm this upstanding citizen. I am a young, like, husband and father, maybe? I don't know, but... Kenda gets him talking about like what he's into sexually um and pretends to have the same fantasies as him so that he'll talk about it and then he like basically turns into this other person and starts talking about like all that gross like shit he's into and then um basically gets a confession and then Kenda's like okay well fuck you you're arrested now and um the guy was shocked it's some 182 and yeah so he was shocked i guess he thought we were bloodthirsty bros <laughs> like really kind of must be a really good actor for this guy to i mean i know they've been talking for like six hours but yeah for him to be like yeah you have these fantasies too awesome well i'll tell I you all about it I feel like in a situation like that, there's a part of that guy who probably just sort of wants to know he's not alone in that weird shit. That, like, he enjoys these things, but I, I imagine it's something he struggled with for a long time to, like, not do this, not do this, not do this. Yeah. And then he does it, and so finding out that someone, even if it's, you know, sort of falsely is sympathetic or is on the same page with that is something that he would reach out toward even if he knows it's obviously going to get him like convicted of murder or attempted murder at least yeah uh, so that's yeah but that's a, that's a smart play to do it that way i think that's much more effective than like i don't know yelling at people or doing other stuff like right. that well yeah and kenda he stays calm and yeah he just tries to get people talking and as long as they don't like lawyer up or whatever which you should do if you're smart yeah um but he says like 80 percent of these people like don't because they think they can talk their way out of it it's like you, you can't you can't dude you can't even if you're innocent at a certain point you should be like listen i think i need to consult with an attorney it doesn't mean that you won't cooperate it's just like you need protection well yeah and i mean i think we've seen enough datelines and other things where people get like coerced into false confessions mm -hmm. by just like endless interrogations and people trying to like twist you around and trip you up and stuff mm -hmm. it's like no I'm, yeah. not, I'm not having that yeah what else you got over there bro um not a ton I mean just sort of the like after retirement stuff you want to talk about why you retired uh sure because his wife 
Because obviously there have been like threats against his family and stuff. Um, because he was a really successful homicide detective. Put a lot of people away. Um, and his wife had been convinced for, for years that something was going to happen to him. Like out of retaliation. And also like he was like lived the job and was just like never around. And it wasn't fair to them. To the family. Um, so she wanted him to retire anyway. But it wasn't until he was, uh, he was, like, interviewing this, like, child molester guy. Well, it was a grandpa who molested his grandson. Grandpa or was it an uncle? It was a grandpa, I think. Yeah. And he, like, basically asked the guy, like, why'd you do this? And he said, and it was a five-year-old boy. Yeah. He said, he came on to me. Yeah. And next thing Kendon knows, like, someone's pulling him off the guy because he's, like, choking him. Yeah, he's, like, strangling him on the ground. <laughs> and then he was Which, like... I don't, I don't blame him for. No, I don't fucking blame him either. And well, then I, he I, just, I, like, went and typed up his resignation letter and was like, I need to retire now. I'm done. No, I, I, mean, can't, I, think I can't hold back anymore. Once you, once you cross that line, that's difficult to sort of come back from, I think. Well, and I'm sure it was a culmination of things for many years. Of just like yeah, yeah, no doubt. An event and kind of realizing, like, he can't hold back and just be emotionless while he's working anymore. Because uh, he's just, like, seen too much fucked up shit. Yeah. So then he retired. And he sold used cars briefly and hated it. He was a bus driver. And then he was a bus sense. driver for kids with special needs and it sounds like he was really good at it um also I cannot even imagine him singing Disney songs but apparently he did while he's driving these kids around but he's kind of like the stern but lovable guy yeah like he's clearly a softy uh underneath it well yeah as long as you play ball your bros yeah. mm-hmm. if you step out of line he will he will smack that down right yeah. I thought those stories were cute about his, like... He did it for, like, nine years or something. He really liked it. Yeah. He was just, like, a part-time bus driver. Yeah, I mean, if you've got pension, you just need to make a little extra money on top mm-hmm. of it. One, because his deal. wife was kind of doing... She wasn't driving, but she was, like, an aide on a, another bus. Yeah. Uh, his wife, Kathy, who is a badass, and she sounds kind of sarcastic. Deadpan, just like him. Probably have to be, I would think. Yeah. Ken is an American hero. Um, American hero? <laughs> World hero? He's he's a hero. Yeah. And um, even if you've never seen a show, this is just like a really excellent book. And it so it, perfectly encapsulates his voice. Like, the ghostwriter did do an amazing job. I would say, I mean, you need to be prepared for slightly more fucked up than usual kind of stuff. Yeah. Because there are some pretty grisly murders and stuff that are yeah. discussed. Yeah, it's the stuff but... that he can't talk about on TV. Yeah. Because it's too much. But none of it seemed, like, gratuitous to me. No. Like, this is just, this is important detail to help set the scene and These are facts. explain the cases. Yeah. yeah, this is why this guy is so horrible, because he did this thing. Yeah. And so as long as you're willing to, to deal with a little bit of that, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a book about murder. And about what it's like to investigate murder and to live with that. Um, but I'm glad that doing Homicide Hunter 
is helping him find peace. Um, I read uh, an article at one point about the show and about so like the producer guy was used to live in Colorado Springs and then later um, I don't know he moved to LA or something and uh, was thinking about making like a true crime show or something and he remembered interviewing Kenda back in the day when he was like um, like the head of the, the homicide unit or whatever and remembered like what a great interview he was yeah um, and just like what an interesting guy who who gave like great sound bites and stuff and so yeah apparently they had to harass him for a while um, until they finally like called back and um, when they were first gonna make the show I think they were gonna make the pilot and they had some stuff scripted for him and Kenda was just like throw the script away like I'm not an actor I'll, I'll just tell you yeah. So his talking heads are not, they're not scripted. Yeah. He says... I mean, I'm sure they, they edited them, cut them a little well, bit. Well, yeah, no, I mean, they're they're edited together, yeah. obviously, to make it, like, a, a comprehensive narrative or whatever. But it's not and like they they're feeding him stuff or anything. Yeah. No, he, he, those words are all his. That's, you know, clearly the way he talks. And um, he, um, he reviews the cases beforehand, but he said... This is in the book. This is a thing I read. He doesn't... He barely even needs to review them. He, like, remembers everything. Yeah. Um, which, anyway, he's badass and wonderful. And I want him to solve my crimes. He once solved the, the, a murder the, on the vacation. Commit, or? He once solved a murder on vacation, you guys. Because he's a shit magnet. Shit winds are blowing. R.I.P. Lady. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I could think of more things, but it's just so good. You should read it. It's amazing. If you like, if you're interested in, in true crime and just awesome people being awesome. Well, that's uh, Lieutenant Joe Kenda's I Will Find You. Um, just, if you don't know, like, Google some videos of just him talking, and he's amazing. So, next time, we will be doing another exciting hate read. Oh. Wait, this is a hate read? I'm looking forward to this one. For me, it's a hate read. Yeah. I don't know if you recall, but the movie was real bad. Oh, yeah. No, I recall. Do we even do we even finish it? I feel like we did, but did we probably we? just talked through it. Yeah. We are reading, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Gilbert? Mm. Elizabeth Gilders. Eat. Gilbert's eat. Pray. Love. Yeah, it should be, it should be awful. And I have some comedy friends who have volunteered heroically <laughs> to read the book and uh, come discuss it with us for our special 10th episode. Um, so, uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. If you have questions, comments, book suggestions, um, etc., you can contact us at couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com our website is couplesbookclubcast.blog you can also find us on Facebook and um, 
Yeah, on the iTunes and the Stitcher and the uh, things, just rate and review and subscribe. It would be wonderful. Tell your friends. Tell people you don't like. Um, yeah, this is Cobbles Book Club. Um, don't murder anybody because uh, Kenda's Kenda's gonna find you. If you're gonna murder someone, just be good at it, I guess. Yeah. My my my. Ha, 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 ha.